Now, we preach it today in part two of our series, Legacy. Today, last week we preached a message called, I want to live a life that outlives my life. Say this with me. I want to live a life that outlives my life. I'm telling you, if you get that inside your spirit, you really let that impact you, you'll begin to understand what legacy means. That, that there are things that we do in that dash that is in between the birth and the death date of our life that will, be a, a, that will affect our generation, our children's generation, and our children's children's generation. We said last week that the third generation of impact is the biblical minimum of legacy for a believer. We are supposed to minimally be affecting for the kingdom of God the level of our grandchildren, praise God. And I mean, if we'll consistently be a church that is impacting our generation, our children's generation, our children's children's generation, if we do that, then part of that impact is to teach them to duplicate what we've done in their life. Therefore, they're going to impact their children and their children's children. And that means that your life can actually outlive your life well beyond the third generation. Am I preaching right? Say amen. amen. But the scripture that we opened up with said, talked about his descendants, talking about the man who leaves a, de- a legacy, says his descendants will be mighty on the earth. Then he says, watch this, and this is the coming weeks in this series, wealth and riches will be in his house. Can I tell you what that means is, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be rich. It just means that a man of legacy is going to do everything in his power, everything in her power as a woman of God, to not leave their legacy to be a legacy of debt and, and frustration, of financial frustration, that their kids and their grandkids have got to deal with the mess that they left behind. How many of us, we ought to be getting our financial house in order as well. And his righteousness or his reputation of holiness will endure forever. And when the world is shaken, verse, uh, verse 6 says, uh, he will not be shaken. A man of legacy is a man that is big picture, is a woman who is big picture. They see beyond the shaking that's going on. You know, there's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. Come on. How many of those the Bible prophesied it? Hebrews chapter 12, we just preached on a series not long ago called an unshakable kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, in the last days, there will come a shaking. And and the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. That which cannot be shaken is a kingdom-minded person, is a legacy-minded person, is a big-picture-minded person. But you know what? You can't get where you're supposed to be going if you can't see where you're going. And a lot of folks have got blinders on. The world's trying to tell you how it's supposed to be. Even the church is trying to tell you wrongly how it's supposed to be if they're not preaching the Bible. Religion will always take you in the wrong direction for your legacy. I don't want a legacy of religion. I don't want a legacy of ritualistic uh, methods. I want a legacy of impact that points people to Christ. Somebody shout, I need a vision. First thing on your notes in the back of your worship guide is simply this. You can't leave a legacy without vision. You can't leave a legacy without vision. I'm going to say it again. You can't leave a legacy without vision. I just went to the eye doctor this week and got a new set of contacts. Now watch this. How many of you ever had to go to the eye doctor and get you a new set of eyes? 
How many without the help of that eye doctor, you blind? Come on. How many of sometimes you can get contacts and you still got to wear glasses to read? Uh-huh. But you know what happens to us? Over time, we get used to how we see. No, I'm talking about struggle to read. But in a distance, when we see things in a distance, if we're not careful over time, we will begin to believe the lie that that is the way it's supposed to look. We would tell ourselves, because we can't know what you see. I don't know how the world looks to you. Are y'all hearing me? All I know is how the world looks to me. And over time, we just assume that everybody else sees the road sign at the same distance you do. And you got where you say, well, of course, it's got to be right because I'm wearing my glasses. Of course, it's got to be right. I got my contacts in. But what you don't understand or you don't think about is over time, as you get older, your prescription can change. And you might need an adjustment. You might need a vision adjustment. So I went in there and I told him, I said, you know, it's been a couple of years, but you know, I've, I've got used to the struggles and I know where, where the struggles are. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's changed that much. How many knows that's what we like to do? We like to tell the experts who do this for a living that we know more than them. Huh? He said, he said okay, I understand, man. It's fine. You're probably right. Let's just for the sake of just having fun. Let's just see. A, B, which is better? One, two. Well, I told you they all look the same. What about this? Let me just try this. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm like, whoa! I'm supposed to see them little letters on the bottom? I said, what'd you, what'd you just finally get to my prescription? He said, uh, <clears throat> your prescription has slightly changed. Come on, somebody. How many knows that that's what happens? Is that we want to know our purpose. We want to know where our destiny has taken us. We want to live a life of legacy. But yet, we can't seem to trust that and believe that that's possible because we are filtering, listen to me, church, everything that we think that we're capable of doing through the vision of the eyes of time that has wore us down. It is the older we get, the, this is what we say. Well, you know, I'm just getting old. So we start throwing so everything where our bodies start hurting, the knees start cracking. Come on, somebody. I mean, all this stuff starts shutting down on us. And we, we've been trained to throw it all up under the rug of, well, I'm just getting old. But what we don't realize is, yeah, we all get old. And yeah, one day we're all going to die. And thank God, I hope that we all just die of a, of a ripe old age and we just go to sleep one night and go on to be with Jesus. But the reality is this. God never said in the Word of God that the older you get, the more you're supposed to suffer and the more your, your vision has got to go. Listen, all these things can be corrected in the natural, but I am preaching in the spiritual. What is sad to see is that some people who used to be on fire for God have been in the church so long that they've become spiritual old folks. Slap your neighbor and tell him, my God, my pastor's preaching. 
And you can't see your potential now because your vision needs to be adjusted. Next thing on your notes is this. Vision is the journey to your legacy. See, you got to understand something. One of the chapters in my book, which, by the way, cool announcement, two things to announce. We finally have a broad release date. June 1st is going to be by then, probably even a little bit before then, but by June 1st, it'll be available anywhere you buy books online. Uh, It might be in some bookstores, but mainly anything online that you would buy books is going to be there. But the cool thing is I found out, come on, amen. The cool thing is I found out is that I'm going to have my copies of the books that I ordered uh, to sell when I travel and everything, and, and even to sign here and give and sell at the church, is going to be here in about two and a half to three weeks. So, so you guys will have an opportunity to get the book before anybody else does, praise God. But why am I saying that? In the book, I have a whole chapter that I, that I talk about understanding the difference between these three things. Because we think, we, in our world, we think these three things are the same thing. Vision, purpose, and destiny. Vision, purpose, and destiny. Somebody say vision. vision. Purpose, purpose. Destiny. destiny. You say, well, I got a destiny. I got a purpose. I got a vision. If you're not careful, you'll lump them all together and you'll think that they're all the same. But there are three very distinctly different things. And if you don't understand all three of them, you can't become a person of legacy. You can't become a big picture person. Here's, here's a simple breakdown of it. Vision, I mean, um, destiny is where we get the word destination. Destiny is where we're supposed to end up. Are you hearing me? Purpose is the reason that we were created. And vision is the ability to navigate through our life and through our purpose to end up at our destiny. Mm -hmm. See, you've got to be able to understand that without vision, you can't see who you are. You can't see where you're going. The next thing on your notes is this. You got your vision enables you to be very, very intentional in your life. Next thing is godly legacies are left through an intentional life. Godly legacies are, led, are left through an intentional life. You've got to intentionally get up and see the value of every day. It is not, I oh, I oh, it's off to work, I go. It is not the ritualistic rut that the world has told us that we're supposed to live in. There is value in every single day. But you will not see it. If you are not intentional, the devil is not going to lay down and go, oh God, he's, he's up. So I'm just going to get out of his way because he's a man of legacy and he's a man of vision. He's a man of wisdom. Praise God. He's the child of God. His name's written in the Lamb's book of life. So I can't mess with you. No, you're going to have to get up and slap his head. You're going to have to slap his jaws. You hearing me? See, you got to be intentional. Somebody shout intentional. Well, understand what that word means. It means to do something with intention, to do it, to do it on purpose, to do it on purpose. So you can't be intentional if you don't know who you are. Here's what happens so many times when people come to church, they're searching for something, they're looking for something. What they're really searching for and looking for, or maybe they're going through a struggle. Maybe they're going through something in their life that they need direction. They need, they need help. They need hope. So they come to a church in a time of desperation. What they're really looking for most of the time is direction. 
It's direction in a situation, direction in a decision that needs to be made, direction on where they need to turn their life. They're looking for hope. But what happens in a lot of churches, they get to church. The church might correctly identify that they need a vision adjustment. But instead of putting the eyes of Christ on them, they give them the eyeglasses of religion. Just because you've got glasses doesn't mean you're going to be able to see. How many of us, if I go back and get your glasses and put them on, they help you. They ain't going to do me no good. Right? Every once in a while you find something, you say, well, I can see a little bit better, but you're still doing this. Because you're, you're trying to help them out, right? Religion, the eyes of religion, when you put them on, they'll say, well, I guess, I guess Allah is one of the ways. I guess Buddha is one of the ways. I guess, it, I guess I can find my own path to God. Religion puts the eyes on and says, watch, let, hey, look how the world looks. Oh, we're all connected. We're all on a journey. We're all on a path to the same place. It doesn't matter how you get there, just as long as you get there. Isn't it a wonderful, sweet, amazing world? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Je- Jesus said, no, 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 no. You put my glasses on. You put my vision on. You see clearly. I am the way. There is no other way. I am the truth. Everything else is a lie. See, that's what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to not put religious glasses on you, but to help you find a way to go see the great physician. Because here's the reality. I'm just the pastor. I'm not the great physician. I'm not the one that can sit in front of you and go, A, B, one, three. Which one's better? That's only Jesus. He's the great physician. He's the only one that can heal you. He's the only one that can make you right. Amen? My job is to preach the gospel to get you in the doctor's office. I'm the guy that brings you in and, uh, on Sunday morning and says, come in here, come in here and have a seat. The doctor will be with you shortly. I'm the guy that might do some prep work. I might look at you. I might look in there. I might get you to put on a couple of, just sort of get a, a pre-examination uh, or whatever. But the reality is, I don't have the power to write the prescription. I don't have the authority to make the final decision for you. Because I don't know what you need personally. All I can tell you is that we all need what I'm giving you right now. But ultimately, you have to intentionally have your own time with God so that God can put you in the machine every day because A might be looking good for me but B might look better for you because of where you're at in your journey do you understand how good preaching this is I ain't doing that to brag on myself this is God I'm telling you right now a lot of this stuff ain't in my nose I'm preaching to myself huh I'm glad I can go back and watch this on YouTube so I can take some notes I'm serious I ain't kidding Hey, let me tell you something. I'm, I mean this with, with hope you take it the right way. I don't listen to myself because I'm full of myself. I listen to myself because I need what I preach. So every once in a while, I put the podcast on and listen to myself. And you may think I'm vain. Oh, my God, he's listening to himself. I ain't listening to myself to hear myself. I'm thinking, my God, that's good stuff. Where'd that come from? I don't even remember saying that. I don't even remember saying that. I didn't write that down. I didn't take notes on myself. 
I'm serious. I'm not kidding. Holy Ghost anointing is powerful. Let me tell you something. Legacy doesn't happen by chance. You you hear me. Legacy does not happen by mistake. You got to be intentional. Next thing on on your notes is this. I skipped one last service. I'm just making sure I didn't. Legacy is the target, but you have to have vision to hit it. Legacy is what we're shooting for, but you got to have vision to see it. Let me, let me give you an example of what I mean. Is let's, let's say Jesus, sounds a little silly to some of you, but just work with me here. Let's say Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to show you the answer to your life. I'm going to show you your value. I'm going to show you your destiny, where you're going, and I'm going to show you the purpose for which you were created. And I'm going to, I'm going to write it out, and I'm going to paint it on a target. And I want, every, I, I want you to go outside, and it's in the middle of the night. It's, it's midnight at night. It's just black uh, outside. I mean, there's no moon. It's as dark as it can be. No natural light, no man-made light in this building whatsoever. And Jesus walks in here, and he takes that. He's got your purpose and your destiny written on the target, and he sticks it on a wall somewhere, maybe up high, maybe down low. It's completely dark. You can't see whatsoever. But every answer you need in your life, the legacy that you want to impact generations beyond you is in this room on a wall somewhere in the darkness. And he hands you a bow and arrow, and he says, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Just walk in that building, pull back the arrow, and fire. And if you hit the target, then I'm going to let you skip through everything in your life. I'm going to take you right to your purpose and your destiny, and everything's going to be fine, and you're going to be able to be with you. I mean, that's silly, right? How many knows you might be the best person with, with a bow and arrow that has ever existed? But if you can't see the target, if you can't see the target, you can't hit it. So people are asking God, what's my purpose? What's my destiny? But they're not asking God for vision. See, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision. Y'all know that scripture, right? The people perish. That's King James. Listen to what the message version says in that, in that scripture, Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they will stumble all over themselves. God could be doing something around you, all around you, at, right in front of you, but you can't see it because you ain't got no vision. Can I get an amen? amen? You'll be like, God, where are you? And God's like, I'm right here. Be like, God, how could you have forsaken me? Where did you go? How did you leave me here? God's like, I didn't leave. I didn't leave. There's signs all around you that I didn't leave. But you can't see me because you're looking through the eyes of what somebody else told you you're supposed to look like right now. Or somebody else told you how you were supposed to respond right now. See, the next thing on your notes is simply this. Godly legacy is the fruit of an intentional life. Somebody say fruit. Fruit Fruit of an intentional life. Doesn't the Bible say you'll know a tree by the fruit it bears? Let me ask you a question. How many in here at your house has any kind of fruit tree? Raise your hand if you got a fruit tree. I want to see all these hands. There's several hands. Every section's got fruit trees. Now, of the hands that just raised, I got another question for you. Just for the ones that's got fruit trees. How many has fruit trees 
that you did not plant? Raise your hand. Now, I want you to understand what just happened. People quickly said, I got fruit trees. Now, what that means is, if their fruit trees are doing pretty good or whatever, in the seasons that they're doing pretty good, they can walk out there at any given time if they're mature trees and been there for years. Let's say it's an apple tree. Let's say it's a pear tree. And they can pull a pear off or they can pull an apple off and they can clean it up and they can eat it. Now listen to me. They did not plant that tree. But yet the fruit of the one that planted it. Mm. Oh, you didn't hear me. Has outlived their life. They may be dead. They may have sold that house and got another. The bottom line is they are gone. But their labor remains and can for generations to generations can still partake of an intentional moment. Somebody had to open the ground, put the small tree in, or ever how they planted it in its early phases, covered it up, made sure it was water as it was growing, tending it, making sure that it stayed healthy until one day it became to live on a life of its own. That's why Jesus said that you shall be known by the fruit you bear. A tree shall be known by the fruit it bears. The psalmist said you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. God said when you're planted in the life-giving water of God, the tree will outlive. The moment of that planting moment will outlive the act. Are y'all hearing me? You, but you got to plant it. You got to take the effort. You got to stop being so selfish. Because here's what selfish is I need an apple now. I ain't got time to wait till my kids are grown to eat an apple. I ain't got no time to play no apple tree. I'm just going to run down to Walmart and give them an apple. I'll let somebody else plant the apple trees. Y'all hear me? God's not saying that you don't need to go to Walmart and get you an apple. Because I may mean, know sometimes you just want to eat the apple right there and you don't want to wait. But God said, eat the apple in the now, but plant the tree for the future generations. You can participate. Your children can participate. Your children's children can participate. And maybe one day you may have to go to Walmart to get an apple, but maybe one day your kids ain't got to go to Walmart to get an apple. They can go out to the tree that you planted, that you left behind, and every time they pull that apple off and eat it, they think about their daddy and their granddaddy who's going on to be with the Lord, and they remember the stories that they told. Come on, are you hearing me? Just the apple, just the pear, are you hearing me, off the tree can bring back the the memories. Man, that's good if you'll get it. See, real quick, three major benefits. This is not in your notes. That's why you got lines at the bottom right. These are quick, three quick things that are benefits of having a vision in your life to being able to see where you're going. Proverbs number one is, number one benefit is this. A vision for life will bring focus. Focus. Remember, vision is about how you see things. See, watch this. I got my contacts in right now so I can see pretty good. But watch this. If I do this, 
Still see real good, but I can only see half of that section. See, if we spend our whole life with religious blinders on, we may be able to see right in front of us, but we can't see on what's on side of us. Come on, that God wants to see to see the big picture. Vision is not just peripheral. Vision is all the way around. You remember when you remember when you was a kid and your mom would be in the kitchen? She's washing dishes. And you sneak up behind her and her back is turned to you and you do something. She'd say, boy, put that back. You look at her and you'd be like, how in the world did she see me? And y'all know, y'all know the old times. You know your mama got eyes in the back of her head. Boy, I can see you. I can look at these dishes and still see you in the next room. You understand me, boy? Put it back. I'm going to tear you up. You'd be like, you're walking away thinking, she's got power. Mm-hmm. It'll give you vision. V- vision allows you to see things coming that you would have never seen in the natural. That'll preach right there. See, listen to what Proverbs 17, 24 says. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. They're looking at the things that are right in front of us in the natural. The New Living Translation says it this way. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. True vision will keep you focused on the things that you need to be focused on. This number two benefit of vision is vision will change the way you look at life. It will change the way you look at life. It will give you a positive life-giving perspective no matter what comes in your life. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, your, your definition, who you are, is not determined by what happens to you. It's, it's determined by how you respond to what happens to you. There'll be some people that might talk about what happened to you, but there'll be more people talking about how you responded to what happened to you. Because that's what legacy is. Number three benefit of vision is this. Vision will help you define your purpose. Vision will help you see yourself. See, the next thing on your notes is simply this. If you can't define your purpose, others will define it for you. If you can't define your purpose, others will define it for you. The world is lined up trying to tell you who you are. Listen, mamas and daddies, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent. It's ultimately up to you. But, but can I give you a bit of pastoral advice? Do not send your kids out to find themselves. Do not let those words come out of your mouth. Because when you let your kids, I'm not talking about you can't let them be independent. I'm not talking about they can't learn lessons on their own. I'm not talking about they can't, they, how many of you can't live their life for them? But if you, if you put this seed, I need you just, it's all right. You ain't got to go to church. You ain't got to come to church. You ain't got to, listen, I need you. You got to be your own person. So you go find yourself. If you send them out to find themselves, they are lined up ready to tell them who they are. Hollywood, movie, music, gangs, people in their school, people on their job, people who made bad decisions. And they want to bring your kids down in their bad decisions to make them feel better about their bad decisions. Come on. 
Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These are keys. This key right here, I can, I, I, I can assure you, I think most people can figure out what kind of key that is, right? What kind of key is that? It's not a boat key. That's one key I'll probably never have. My wife will never let me have a boat key. Might borrow your boat key, but I ain't going to ever have one. That's a car key or a truck key. It has a purpose. It has been designed to start my truck. Now listen to me. Not your truck. You may have the same model, the same make. It may look just like my truck, but I cannot put my key in your truck and crank your truck. So you got to find your purpose. This key was designed to crank a car. This key, although it's on the same keychain with a house key, and key, if you're not careful, you'll just say, well, what's the difference? A key is a key. What's the difference between a church is a church? What's the difference? A religion is a religion. What's the difference? A belief system is a belief system. What's the difference? A faith is a faith. Okay. Take your car key when you leave here. Spend the rest of the day trying to crank your car with it. I mean, speak, take your home key and try to crank your car with your, with your home key. It ain't going to happen. Take your car key and go home tonight. And, and when, if it starts raining again, stand out in the rain with your family and say, guys, it's okay. I've got my car key. I'm going to get us in. It's not its purpose. I tell you what else is not its purpose. It is not a crowbar. It was not designed to pry things open. We think... That, how many knows the truth is, our key, most of our keys in our pocket or our purse has been told repeatedly that their purpose really is to open boxes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Come on, are y'all hearing me? Am I telling the truth? And some of y'all really have fun with your keys. You say, your purpose is to pop these little things that come in the package that sounds real good. And the key is like, I'm having fun. This is awesome. But I want to remind you, this is not what I was created for. And you really find it out that day you've got to pry something with it. And you just about got it open. Snap. And you know what you do? You get mad. Donkey. And the key's like, what's up, dude? Why are you getting mad at me? I was not created. For that, it's not my purpose. And what's really bad is when you find out that his purpose was not to be a pry bar, and you realize you got to go crank your car. Now you can't go where you need to go because you have misused. The tool that God gave you to take you where you needed to go. Mm. I'm telling y'all, that ain't in my notes. That's good. Oh, I'm eating barbecue today thinking about that one. Come on. Somebody shout vision. See, some people think the older we get, the closer we get to our legacy, the more we got to slow down. Let me tell you something. The next thing in your notes is this. We do not gain strength and energy in our legacy from slowing down. 
In fact, when you become legacy-minded, you feel more of a sense of urgency the older you get. Some people call it a bucket list. But don't live your life on a bucket list. I don't have a problem with calling it a bucket list. That's just a, a, a cute name that people make a list of things they want to do before they kick the bucket, right? So if you want to jump out of an airplane, ride a bull for 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu or something. I don't know. What, 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 whatever you want to do, that's up to you. But if you're not careful, a bucket list becomes all about you. What you want to get done and you get to enjoy before you kick the bucket. A legacy-minded person, the older they get, they think less of a bucket list of things they want to do and more of a bucket list of the impact they can make. Oh, come on, somebody. You want to make a bucket list, your bucket list should say something like, plant a church in Africa. It may say something like, buy 50 shoes for Peru. Come on, your bucket list may be making sure all my kids and grandkids know Jesus as their personal Savior. Hallelujah, come on somebody. Your bucket list ought to say something. Mm -hmm. Ain't got no problem with that Fu Manchu bull. Go enjoy it. You won't be stupid, break your neck, go ahead. <laughs> we don't slow down. Now, I'm not talking about you don't rest. I'm not talking about the older you get, you don't plan for retirement, you don't enjoy life. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about spiritually minded. I did in the first service, I'm going to do it again. Mac Daddy, wave your hand, Mac Daddy, for those who don't know you. That's Mr. Mac Daddy right there. His name's not actually Mac Daddy, but I can't call him Mac. For some reason, Mac Daddy comes out. He's one of my daddies. And he's the Mac Daddy, too. Y'all know, I'm talking about he's the Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy. I have to call you Daddy. I, can't, I try to call you Mac. What y'all don't realize if you don't know him, if you see him and talk to him, you would think this man's in his 60s, maybe 70s. Most of y'all think he's in his 60s. Because I've asked y'all before, how old do you think Mac is? And they said, hey, what is it, about 67, 68? How old are you, Mac? 81! 81! Mac ain't slowing down. In fact, I'm going to tell you, 75% of the people in this room can't keep up with him. Right now. So Mac, daddy... Came to us one day and said, I'm starting a rock group. I'm starting a small group. So I'm like, okay, he's going to have a Bible study on his back porch as they relax, drinking sweet tea. Because Mac's 80 years old. I said, what's, what's your small group, Mac? Daddy. And he said, well, we're going to meet at the church. We're going to say a quick prayer. And then we're all going to drive to a mountain and we're going to climb the mountain. And then when we get to the top of the mountain, we'll have a Bible study. But you don't get to be in a Bible study unless you can climb the mountain with me. So he's got a small group that climbs mountains. And he's 81. Somebody will be like, I'll have what he's having. It's called vision. It's called purpose. It's called anointing. 
You want what he's got? Get up under the spout where the glory's coming out. Well, let me say it again. Yeah, I'll get a better shot. Get up under the spout where the glory's coming out. See, some of y'all, listen, listen, listen. Some of y'all need to get off the bench. See, the longer you serve God, the less you think you need to do. No, you just need to do it in a different way because now you're supposed to be mentoring, but you lead by example. I mean this with love and respect. You want to be legacy-minded? I'm not talking about guests. I'm not talking about second, third, four-timers that have come to Solid Rock Church. I'm talking about folks that call Solid Rock your home, and you want to shout me down with legacy. You want to shout me down that you want to be big picture. You want to shout me down that you want to be vision, but you ain't even going through the growth track. You, you, you ain't even made the next step. You have not went to Amy, my wife, or anyone and said, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to help. You can't hand a worship guide out. You can't park a car. The thought of rocking a baby, checking a kid in. Listen, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I have brought you into the doctor's office today, and I'm trying to adjust you. I'm trying to get you ready for the doctor to adjust you. It is time for you to get off the bench and get to work for God. Because that's where the legacy is made. See, if you're not careful, this is the way you'll end up. How many knows who the wisest man to ever live is? Solomon. How many's ever heard of Solomon? See, the next thing on your notes is this. We do not gain strength. I've already said that one. We do not gain strength from, and energy from slowing down. We don't slow down. We rest. There's a difference between rest and slowing down. Didn't Jesus say work while it's day? For the night comes when no man can work. He never said work until you turn 65 and stop working. Just because you don't work a job anymore doesn't mean you don't still work. Work is not a curse. The Garden of Eden, when people think that, well, bless God, if it wasn't for Adam, we wouldn't have to work. What Bible did you read? He never, he never said work is the curse. There's already working. There's already tilling the ground. He was already a farmer. The curse was it ain't going to be as easy for you as it was before because of your mess up. Now you got to work by the sweat of your brow. But, but the Bible says what? If a man doesn't work, he ain't supposed to eat. How many likes to eat? Huh? If y'all don't want to get a job, stay away from my barbecue today. So, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. He talked to God. God said, listen, Solomon, whatever you ask me, I will give to you without reservation. What do you want? Solomon said, I want wisdom. So God said, then you shall be the wisest man that has ever lived before you or after. And because you did not ask for wealth or riches, I'll give them to you too. Because you asked for the, the, the most powerful thing you could ever have is wisdom. But watch what happens. If you're not careful, you'll get so smart or you'll be so talented that you'll let your talents and your gifts take you places that your character can't keep you. Mm -hmm. 
I've seen it time and time again over the years. People that can sing like Whitney Houston. Come on. And they've been told that from their grandma ever since there's a baby. And they just rock from church to church and just walk in. Hey, y'all, you probably heard of me. My name's Larry. You know, I can sing. And I've, I sang down at the first church down there. And uh, I'm looking for a new church. Uh, I like to audition. Well, boy, you can sing. We would need somebody like you. Put them on the praise team. First time there's a sign of friction. And they can't submit. They can't submit to a leader. First sign of friction. Well, I tell you one thing right now. I thought this was an anointed church. <laughs> they visit in another church. First thing they do when they walk in that church is talk bad about the one they just left. Huh? Because so, their gift took them places that time after time after time they believed more in their own gifts and talents and their own even natural knowledge that they forgot who they were in God and how they're supposed to handle themselves as a believer. So here's Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. And he was so wise that he began to think at some point that his wisdom superseded what he was seeing. He lost his vision. He could still see, but he needed a correction. It's one of the most heartbreaking things in Scripture to read the end of the wisest man to ever live. He does not end like a faith man. He does not end like a man of wisdom. In fact, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, which means the preacher. And, it, and I'm going to tell you, it's a tough book to read. How many know what I'm talking about? You read Ecclesiastes, brother, you better be anointed. L listen to what he said. In Ecclesiastes 2.11, listen to what the words of the wisest man towards the end of his life. Then I looked at all the works that my, hand, my hands had done. And on all the labor in which I had told. And indeed, all was vanity. And grasping for the wind, there was no profit under the sun. This is, this is a fancy King James way of saying, when I look back over my life, I ask myself, was it even worth it? So what was his legacy? His legacy was, God told him, whatever you do, don't marry into the people who worship false gods. But he thought, he knew more than what God knew. So he had hundreds of wives that led him down a path that caused him to look. Can you imagine? To look at false gods and to tolerate the teaching of false gods. When he had had a personal conversation with Jehovah God. And Jehovah said, I'll give you my wisdom. So the legacy of Solomon was not a life of intention because Solomon had everything. He was born into royalty. He always had everything on a silver platter. So he didn't have to be intentional. So he thought. So the last thing on your notes is this. This is a big one. This is one you need to put on your refrigerator. Everyone ends up somewhere, but only a few people end up somewhere on purpose. Every one of us has got a destiny.
If that line is the end of our life, many of us are going to meet the end of our life and not even know how we got there. Some of us are going to be like Paul. Paul, how many of us? Saul of Tarsus was a pretty bad, pretty bad dude. Hated Christians. Then he became the Apostle Paul after an encounter with God. Think about this. Is this a legacy statement or what? He's sitting in a prison. He's, he's an old man. He knows that he's about to be finally killed. He's escaped death many times. He, he's at peace. Some kind of peace comes over him as an old man. Where before he had... He had Jumped over walls. They'd let him down in baskets. He had ran out of the city to stay alive for another day. But something was different about that day. As an old man, he had peace. Oh, his body was aching and hurting. Don't get me wrong. But leaned up against a wall in a prison cell. I had a visitor come. And he said, they said, can we do anything for you, Paul? He said, need you to do a couple things go get my coat because I'm cold this is what he said go get my tablet and my pen I got one more thing to write this is in your Bible so powerful I have falsified I have finished the race. Now, laid up for me. It's my destiny. So, Lord, when you're ready, I'm ready. Take it. Not long after that, Paul the Apostle walked into the presence of God. Listen, I'm not saying that any of us will ever meet Paul. But don't you want, don't you want to be able to say, I finished the race. Your race may not be 65, 70 years. Your race may be 20 years. I don't know. Your race may be one. Your race may be a few days. I don't know what your race is. But you got to get up every day intentionally believing that it's your last. If you live every day believing that one more step is the finish line, even though it doesn't happen, if you believe every breath may be my last, I'm telling you, you'll be intentional. How do I know that? What if the doctor came to you this week, just this week, and said, I hate to break the news to you. You've got one week. Best I can give you is one week. A lot of times what the doctor will say is, go home. Set your house in order. Can I tell you something? You, you are not going to go. I'm not trying to be funny here. If you knew you had one week to live, you would not stay up all night long binge watching Netflix. You would not waste that time. You would, not, you would not spend a moment posting things on Facebook, liking things on Instagram. 
consuming hours of your time while your kids are in there watching the Disney Channel and you're on your phone scrolling, you don't even know they exist, I promise you, you'd be in the room with the kids. That's that song that I was talking about, about the bull named Fu Manchu. Some of y'all had never heard it, but it's, just, it's called Live Like You're Dying. That's the dash, man. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've made some bad choices. Some of those choices was I put this church in front of my kids early on. It caused, it caused some scars on my kids. Just be real with y'all. You know, it's time in my life I live in so much shame and so much guilt. Can't tell you when it was, but finally one day just said you know what I'm not going to fight for a church and not fight for my family if the church doesn't make it my family's going to make it so I put it in God's hands and when I finally released it to God it didn't make everything better I'm still repairing things me and my kids are close they've always been close to me that's not what I'm saying I'm just trying to show you if you're not careful, you'll look at the preacher and you'll think, it's easy for you to say. But you ain't made the mistakes and done the stupid things that I've done. I maybe hadn't done what you've done. But I've done things just as stupid and more stupid. But I've purposed in my life. Then when the rest of this dash, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to major on the major and minor on the minors. I remember one day God told me, he said, son, here's what you need to do in your life. I want you to make three columns. It's going to sound silly. This is what happened. This saved me. I was having a nervous breakdown. And right in the middle of the nervous breakdown, I could feel the darkness coming on me. I started, my mind just started going in all kinds of different directions. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm warning you because of who you are as a pastor. I'm warning you that a nervous breakdown is coming on you today. You're going to lose your mind today. I was sitting in my office. God said, I'm going to give you the chance to decide to do what you, want, what you know you need to do. I got up that day, and I, and I heard the Lord say, make a list and draw three columns. This is just my words. This might sound silly. He said, on the first column, I want you to write and be honest, because he said, I know if you're going to lie to me. He said, that's silly. Make, on the first column, write the things that matter more than anything in the world to you. Then write the things that are okay, you're okay with if they come or go. But honestly, you make it look like they're really a big deal to a lot of people. And then the third, I want you to write, these were the words of my mama talking about legacy. My mama used to say this when I was a kid. And I wrote it because I heard the Lord using my mama's words. Then call the next column, don't matter a hill of beans. <laughs> and that's what I wrote on the paper. And I was honest with God. And when I stood back and looked at my list, I was ashamed. I was ashamed at some of the things that I had put all the way to the left or even in the middle. And God said, what you really need to do is just flip this whole thing over. And I changed my columns. 
And I begin to be intentional about the things that matter more than anything in the world. And the ones that don't matter, hill of beans, they're in that column for a reason. It's time to live on purpose. Amen.